Hola, and welcome to Amigas About Friends, a podcast where two best friends talk about their favorite group of friends, friends. This podcast is intended for a mature audience, and listener discretion is advised. <laughs> welcome, episode 15 of Amigas About Friends. 15. I know. Hello again, everyone. Tiempo de vals, tiempo para something, something. I don't remember what that said. Oh my goodness. I was in so many quinceañeras. I was in four, I think. Any. I think I was in like five. And one of them, I didn't even know the quinceañera. Like I had only met her like two months prior. And like she just needed another body there. And she was like, hey, you're a Mexican girl. I was 11. It was the first time I was in one. It's awkward. I think I was 13 for my first one. It was my aunt, quinceañera. She's two years older than me. And then... My best friend didn't have damas and whatever, whatever. I ended up not having damas because I don't want to deal with drama. Damas equal dramas. <laughs> it's true. I agree. <laughs> and let's do our little mental health check. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm all right. I was feeling sick for like the last week and a half. So I had a lot of anxiety, but I think I'm feeling better now. But other than that, I've been feeling pretty pretty okay how about you i'm okay i life's been gravy i got married last week she got married (laughs) i'm a missus now a married woman now the cat bumped his head against the microphone i don't know if you heard that i didn't but that's funny (laughs) oh now i hear something you can't do that get out of here (laughs) he left (laughs) he's like fine bye Moving on. So we start the episode at Central Perk. Rachel is handing out drinks to the gang. And when she hands Monica hers, Monica asks why her cinnamon stick has an eraser. Uh, Rachel apologizes and removes the tiny pencil and replaces it with the cinnamon stick uh, that she had placed behind her ear. Have you ever accidentally ruined someone's food or drink? Yes. So I like to bake and usually every office that I work at, like they know that I bake because like that's one of the first things that I like show people. I'm like, hey, I'm new. I baked cookies or whatever. Um, And so I, I usually have a reputation, you know, like, oh, she's a baker. Um, and the things that I bake are for the most part pretty well liked. So one time I baked cupcakes uh, for an office that I used to work at and nothing like this had ever happened to me before but I got new cupcake liners you know like the paper liners and they were inside of this like plastic container when I first got them and the plastic container had this like super flimsy little cap and I have no fucking idea how but I baked that cap into one of the cupcakes and also it is unknown to me how it didn't melt in the oven maybe because it was protected by the cake batter or but (laughs) I realized it because I passed the cupcakes around and this one girl she called me over and she was like hey Laura I just want you to take a look at this and and she showed me the cupcake and and it had baked and it had sunk all the way to the bottom of the cupcake and like kind of became one with the cupcake but you could still peel it off 
like it it didn't it didn't melt into the cake it was the weirdest shit she didn't eat it like i mean she had already bit it but she didn't finish eating it and so i gave her another cupcake but like i felt so lucky that she got it because i don't know that everybody else would have been so graceful about it like i feel like some people would have been like oh my god ew like which understandably it was plastic in a fucking cupcake (laughs) but yeah that's the only time that i can think of that that happened to me and to this day like i have no idea how i did that the only way that i can see like how it happened is if like i took all the cupcake liners out and i intended to not use that cupcake liner and so i put the cap inside of that cupcake liner and because it was plastic and it was see-through i just ended up using it by accident but man that was such a careless thing (laughs) for me to do um have you have you ruined food or drink first of all i would have been the dramatica being like excuse me (laughs) they're fucked up don't eat them anybody (laughs) yeah dude i'm so lucky this girl did thank you irene thank you so much i'm kidding i don't think i would have done that i just wouldn't have eaten the fucking cupcake I don't think I would have even told you. I would have just been like, uh, okay, don't eat her food. Um, <laughs> as far as ruining someone's food, I don't think I've ever ruined anyone's food, not even accidentally. I've ruined my own food. And this actually just happened recently, but it's happened plenty of times. I was cooking something and I was eating and I like took a bite. And as I bit, I felt a hair and it was obviously mine because I'm the one that cooked, but me da tanto asco that I like, I tried so hard to pull the hair out of my mouth while gagging, trying not to throw up what I had already swallowed. It was the worst. (laughs) Yeah. Hairs in food suck. (laughs) But yeah, that was like, it was the most dramatic like thing and Victor's eating like his food's fine it doesn't have a hair so he's eating and he's looking at me like what are you fucking doing (laughs) it's like just give me a second I ended up not eating the rest of my food because it grossed me out that much and it sucks because I I cook but I don't like to cook my favorite pastime I prefer somebody else to do it for me but I want somebody to know how to cook how I cook so that they can make my food for me. But yeah, it <laughs> totally ruined my meal that day. That was so sad because it was so yummy. It's the worst. But yeah, other- I, I hate it when stuff like that happens. I know. I don't think I've ever accidentally ruined anyone's food because I don't, I try not to buy stuff. I mean, I try to buy stuff when we're doing potlucks because I don't want to put in the extra mm. people I don't really like. <laughs> yeah. I also have this like super, I mean, I guess it's not unreasonable, but it's unreasonably, like it's unreasonable how afraid I am of this. Like I am so scared of getting someone sick, like give giving them food poisoning, which I realized for my food that I make would be extremely rare because i am a germaphobe and i have food anxiety so what that translates to to me is i wash my hands like 20 times while i'm cooking and if the food is even remotely close to not being good anymore uh this is terrible but i just toss it out like ingredients wise like if they're approaching like deadlines i don't even fuck with that like i just toss that shit out but yeah i'm the same i can't and Victor's like, yeah. it expires in like two days. And I'm like, yeah, it's expired. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. it means. It's gross. <laughs> Done. Do not use this any longer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, moving on. 
We then got to Chandler at his office, where a secretary tells him the boss would like to have a word with him. We then fast forward to the coffee house works in, and she's trying to tell the gang that Chandler has exciting news, but to try to be funny, uh, but and that everyone should act like it's no big deal. But she gets interrupted by Chandler actually coming in. So have you ever had someone ruin like a joke that you were going to play on someone else or just a joke in general? Uh, yes, exactly like it happened to Phoebe. Like I was trying to be quick and be like, hey, oh my God, <laughs> like so-and-so's coming and let's just, you know, whatever. And then uh, they walk in, and I'm like, oh, never mind, just forget it. It's not even going to work anymore. <laughs> um, but I've also people ruin jokes with like, by like telling the punchline and it's like, hey, I was in the middle of that. Like I didn't even finish the whole thing. Rude. um but other than that i don't think so and you who's ruined your jokes oh wait no i'm i think jokes for me the same (laughs) i think there's a slight delay (laughs) yeah i know (laughs) i can tell (laughs) um i was gonna say so just the other night actually oh we were watching the night stalker documentary (laughs) and they were showing the like picture that they drew of the night stalker because they didn't know who he was yet and so i was like oh my god have you ever seen tangled and then victor was like no and then i was like well there's this guy and he's a thief and he gets upset so the the joke was that he gets upset because they keep drawing his nose wrong on every wanted poster but he interrupted me and was like there's a thief in rapunzel and i was like yeah but no like there's this and he's like why is there a thief? I thought she was a princess. And I was like, yeah, but no, like trying to finish like what I, <laughs> but he'd never seen it. And so he's like questioning me about it. And I was like, ah, never mind. <laughs> oh my God. Your husband does that all the time. Like sometimes I'm like telling him a story and the point of the story is like so far away from what I was telling him. Like you can say like, yeah, so I had gone to the DMV and then there was this guy and he's like, wait, why were you at the DMV? <laughs> and I'm like, that's, that's not the point. <laughs> he does. So yeah, he does that all the time. Yes, I know. Actually, I'm pretty sure because I have had jokes ruined where they, it is like, they don't steal the punchline away from me. But while I'm trying to tell the joke, people ask questions like that. So I'm pretty sure Victor's probably one of those people, but I can't really think of like a specific time where he did it. Something else that gets ruined for me all the time is not necessarily like a joke. I guess it's kind of a joke. I like to hide and then scare Justin, even though he's not allowed to do that to me because I have a heart condition. (laughs) So he can't even do it back. (laughs) But I like to just hide behind furniture and just like to like startle him. But as of late, every time that I do it, the cat will, like, follow me and then tap me on the head (laughs) while I'm waiting. And so then Justin's like, what the fuck? Because he can see the cat, but not my head. (laughs) So the cat ruins my jokes, my surprises. Rude. Figure, speechy cat. (laughs) Mm Mm-mm. Okay, so then Chandler tells the gang uh, his good news that his boss had offered him a promotion and everyone starts to congratulate him when he announces that he quit his job. He states that it was supposed to be temporary and Monica exclaims that he's already been there for five years. Um, Have you ever worked a temp job or any job and stayed because it was convenient? Yeah, dude. Coles. So I actually did get hired on as just temporary for the holidays. Uh, I wanted to stay because it was like my second job ever. It was my first job with a W-2. 
Um, but it was like my second, actually third job. But my two other jobs were like, one was in Mexico and the other one was like, they paid me cash. So I wanted to stay so I could have like work history, you know, um, and you could stay if you made like a good enough impression during the holidays. And so I, I did. But in my mind, I still just wanted to work there for like a year. And then I got married and I moved down to San Diego and I was like, perfect, like I'll, I'll find another job in San Diego. But I was like, but I don't want to be without a job while I'm looking for a job. So like, I'll just transfer to a different Coles. So I transferred to a different Coles and what that ended up doing, because I literally lived a block away from Coles. Mm was that I just got so comfortable because I could wake up and just be at my job walking within 10 minutes, less than that, like five. And so I stayed for another two years. <laughs> um, and the only reason why I ended up quitting, because I actually was moving up, like I get, I kept getting promoted, but it was like retail job promoted where like you technically did get promoted but it was mostly that they gave you more responsibilities but for not that much more pay but it still was like kind of stroking my ego you know <laughs> but the only reason why I left was because I kept complaining to my friend Chelsea who also worked at Kohl's about how much I hated working at Kohl's and how little they paid and they didn't give us that many hours and so she was like, yeah, I'm pretty sick of working here too. I'm actually going to go take some job applications to some car dealerships uh, because they're always looking for receptionists. And I was like, oh, like, can I join you? And so we went together to drop off applications to be a receptionist. And it was because she was also tired of working there that I ended up getting a job at Mercedes as a receptionist. <laughs> So if it hadn't been because somebody else was sick of their job too, like who the fuck knows? Maybe I was would have been the general manager at Coles right now. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, still customer service after 11 or 12 years. <laughs> Not really. Have you done that? Yes. My first job was as a barista at a coffee shop in Seaport Village. I actually liked working there. Um, however, the owner wasn't that nice. So I was kind of done working there, but I needed a job because my dad had bought like, quote unquote, bought me my car. He had put the down payment and then he was like, you're responsible for the insurance and the monthly payments. And I was like, awesome. So I had to have a job. So I was like, unhappy because they like, once the summer ended, they scheduled you by yourself. So it was just me at night mm. with like no customers because it's fucking on the water so it's freezing uh and then they had <laughs> i shouldn't be sharing this part they had mice because it's by the water oh, no. <laughs> there's a little boat i mean it there was one mouse that i saw and it was it was funny because the stupid mouse there was like a back room and so it came like to the doorway and I was walking in that direction and I spotted it and it obviously saw me and we both had like a little stare down of like, who's going to move first? Like, <laughs> Cause I didn't want him to run at me. And I guess he didn't want to move cause he didn't want me to catch him or something. I don't know what he thought. But anyways, so I stayed working there because it, like every so often I'd be scheduled to work with my cousin and we 
the best time working together. Like we would put music and we would dance and we would make up our own coffee drinks and we would flirt with like the guys that worked in the surrounding stores. So I stayed there longer than I wanted uh, because I got to work with my cousin once in a blue moon. (laughs) (laughs) One time. Man, I would love to work with my cousin. That sounds fun. It was so much fun. We always talk about opening our own coffee shop because we had so Oh, oh my God. I used to talk about opening my own bakery <gasps> years ago. Oh my God, we should do a coffee bakery mix. Let's do it. Man, I would totally be down if I knew anything about business. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we can record our podcast from there. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Uh, So Chandler then explains to the gang that he, if he takes a promotion, it would be like admitting that that's what he actually does. And he does not want to be one of those guys working late, worrying about the weenus, the weekly estimated net usage system. (laughs) And he does not know what he actually wants to do. Have you ever applied for a job or taken a promotion in a position you knew you would be unhappy with, uh, but you did it for the money? Not that I would be unhappy with. I applied for a job and took a promotion because I knew it would be more money and then eventually found out that I didn't like it. And then I was kind of stuck. There was one job in particular that I applied for and got. And then when I was there, it just sucked. And I got a promotion, like I was a supervisor, but even that sucked. And that one, I actually ended up quitting because I was like, fuck this shit. Like, it's not worth, it's not worth the paycheck. But yeah, no, I don't think I've ever done it that I knew up front that I would be unhappy. And you, have you ever taken a promotion? Yeah, it's almost like the same situation as you. Like, I've never deliberately taken a job that I'm like, oh, I know I'm going to hate this. There's been jobs that I, after I started doing them, like I, I was like, oh, I hate this. Um, but it was never like, before I took it, I was like, oh, I, I'm going to be miserable, but I, I need it. Oh, you have a cute mug. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I want to say like a good example of that was when I worked at Mercedes and I was a receptionist. And I started doing all these odd jobs uh, because people were on medical leaves. Um, and I think like management was also like testing me to see what other tasks I could do. Mm -hmm. And I actually really liked the special projects that they had given me for like temporary, but then something permanent opened up, which was like a a financial assistant. And I thought I was going to dig that. I thought I was going to love it. It came with a little bit more money, which also did push me to do it. And oh my God, I hated it. Not only did I hate it, but I was pretty bad at it. And it was like one of the first times that I was bad at something. And I had to like admit to myself that this is going to take me more effort than usual. Um, Because like not to toot my own horn or anything, but for the most part, when I start a job, like you only have to tell me how to do something once. And then, then I know how to do it. Like I'm good. But that was the first job where I had to continuously ask questions I didn't really get training either. Like the dude that did it before me didn't really care about the job. So he left it like a mess and he, 
he got demoted because they didn't like the way he did things. So because of that, he didn't really train me. Like he just kind of told me what, what things needed to be accomplished by the end of the day and by the end of the week and by the end of like the pay period. But he didn't tell me how to do them. Um, so when I started doing the job, like I had no fucking clue how to do it. And I found myself like quickly sinking and like not knowing how to do it. And um, yeah, I'm pretty sure like my boss like despised me. She would like she would hide things like documents from my office and then test me like it was just a really stressful situation and I got to a point where like it was so stressful to me and the money like it was more money than I was making before but not that much like I think I got like an extra dollar an hour like it wasn't that big of a deal and it got to the point where I realized that job it was hourly that they would call me outside of my work hours and sometimes I would work overtime but it was unpaid and so I was just like yeah, no, like I'm I'm not doing this. And I happened to reconnect with an old friend at that time who used to work for a nonprofit. And when she spoke about her job, it sounded really amazing uh, or not like super amazing, but it sounded like rewarding. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of sat there and I was like, man, I'm working for this job where I hate doing the job. I'm not making that much money. And no offense to people that buy Mercedes cars, but I did not like my customers. Like my customers were not, at the end of the day, I didn't feel warm and fuzzy when I helped someone buy a car or buy warranty or whatever. Like it's just not what I wanted to do. So my friend got me an interview at her job and I ended up getting it and I left and they wanted me out of there so bad. that I I put my two weeks notice the day after I put my two weeks notice I saw some girl um come in for an interview and she got the job on the spot and then um on the fourth day after I put my two weeks notice they took the keys to my office and they're like you don't need to come back like it's fine and I was like okay and I remember being so sad (laughs) because I gave so much of my youth to that job um and I feel like I proved myself efficient in other areas working at the dealership some that even held more responsibility than finance but because I had bombed so hard in finance like I only lasted months in finance then they just dismissed me like they just were like oh my god yeah go (laughs) and I remember they didn't even tell me at the end of the day like they literally came in like before lunch even I think and they're like you know what we decided you don't need to you need to keep working there's no need like just go um and so I put all my stuff in that sad little box because I wasn't ready I hate leaving jobs with that box like I think it has like a certain stigma that they that you got fired yeah so I purposely every time I move offices or like yeah quit a job or something because I've never gotten fired so like every time that I leave a place of employment I don't want it to look like I got fired so I slowly take my stuff like home so that I don't go home with a box on the last day but I remember that day I had no choice because they didn't tell me ahead of time so I just had a box of my shit and I just walked to the street waited for a fucking uber oh uh, and then I just was crying and the guy picked me up and he was like what's wrong <laughs> so of course I tell them my whole life story <laughs> but I cannot say that I I don't think unless it was a lot of money like I don't think I would ever take a job that I knew for a fact I would hate and be miserable at like it's just not worth my stress no that's not okay 
Um, in this same scene, Phoebe then starts to tell Chandler about this new massage client she has who is talking about opening a restaurant and is looking for a head chef. Uh, Monica then taps Phoebe and Phoebe states that she thought of Monica first, but that Chandler is the one who needs a job. Um, so she gives him a description of the position and it, sound like, it sounds like Monica's dream job. Monica interrupts again and asks what kind of menu the guy wants. And Phoebe says the guy is looking for someone who can create the whole menu and again asks Chandler what he thinks. Uh, he turns it down, stating he can't see himself in a big white hat. And after a few seconds, Phoebe finally offers the idea to Monica. What would be your dream job, real or made up? Okay, so my dream job would definitely be to own a bakery. But I have very specific things that I would want in this bakery. So when I was growing up, I would go to my aunt's house. Um, and she is the closest thing that I have to my father. My father has several siblings, but she is physically the closest one to me. The rest of them are in Mexico City. In her house, throughout the years, her houses have always looked like your typical grandma or tia's house, where you go in there and it always smells like something's cooking and it's warm. And she has like all the Mexican music playing in the background and those gigantic wooden spoons and forks on the ceiling um, and it just feels really welcoming and so I have this idea in my head that if, if if it ever comes to fruition I would like my bakery to look like someone's house that you are comfortable in a grandfather a grandmother an aunt and uncle your parents and somewhere where you feel not like it's a business somewhere where the people serving you will truly love working there so much that it feels like they want you to be there and I would want that old-timey music uh, playing and I do want it to look like a Hispanic household um, and I want to have champurrado when it's cold uh, and I want to have like different types of Mexican pastries and I want it to be called La Casa de Chucho because um, Chucho is my dad's nickname and yeah I think that would be really fun I have like an idea too of what I would want like the people that work there to wear which is just like those Mexican dresses kind of like the ones that you see that they they use in old town but yeah I even thought about maybe having live music like I'm like live music on Wednesdays Wednesday nights <laughs> like something super chill like like a dude with a guitar you know like because my dad like he used to just love playing music at our get-togethers and our parties and I think there's something super comforting about like acoustic guitar or like someone singing because they love to sing you know so yeah that's that's kind of like my idea that I have that would definitely be my dream job like the job that I would love to wake up to and go to every morning but I don't know that seems like a super far away thing but yeah I I think about it and then just thinking about it makes me happy <laughs> But what is yours? What's your dream job? My dream job <laughs> would be, one of them would be definitely my coffee shop with my cousin. Because um, I'm telling you, we had just the best time ever working together. My ideal dream job for reals for reals that like is a dream. I know it exists. I've seen it. I've heard it. Whatever. However, I don't think I could do it because I because I have a husband, uh, would be a professional cuddler. Like, bro, I will hold you and let's sleep all fucking day. You don't want to sleep? That's cool. As long as I... <laughs> I love napping. I love sleeping. Being in my bed is the most blissful thing for me. It was funny. I forgot what happened exactly. Oh, it was the weekend that you came to spend the night, but um, you hadn't gotten there yet. And Victor was gone already. 
And I was just in my room. Like I'm normally downstairs or, you know, if I can talk him into it, we'll be upstairs and we'll watch TV in bed. But he likes to sit up when he's like drinking something, which makes sense, obviously. But I like to be sitting up in my bed. And so I just was like, oh my God, like I appreciate my room and just being in here and on my bed where nobody's bothering me and I can lay down if I want to and I can just sit here. (laughs) Just be in my bed and have clients come to my house and I just cuddle them for an hour or something for like a shit ton of fucking money like people do, I would do. But I have a husband and I would only be able to cuddle females, which is fine. I guess I could do that too, but I doubt they would want to be held by another female unless they were, you know, into that kind of stuff. Me. Yeah. But yeah, I think <laughs> like if I could, dude, if there was like a professional sleeping situation, <laughs> that would be my jam. <laughs> You'd be so good at it. Ah, I'd be a pro. I love naps <laughs> in my bed. <laughs> You know what? I actually wouldn't mind being a professional cuddle either. I, I've read into that. And I think that that's actually really cool that certain people are like vulnerable enough to be like, you know what? I just need to be cuddled right now. Here's some money. Cuddled me. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. But anyway, let's let's move on. We then cut to Monica's and Monica's apartment and Chandler walks in all dressed up and asks if you can see his nipples through that shirt. Rachel tells him no. And then Phoebe asks him why he's all dressed up. And he mentions that he's going to see a career counselor. A go-go. He added the a go-go, by the way. <laughs> he says that everyone knows what they want to do with their lives. And Rachel states that she doesn't. Um, he then only addresses the people in the living room, Joey, Ross, and Phoebe, and mentions how they all have goals and dreams, and that he doesn't have a dream, to which Ross jokes about the lesser known, I don't have a dream speech. Do you remember what your dreams and goals were as a child? Did you meet them? And are you happy with your job now? <laughs> oh, no. You just had to throw that in there. <laughs> No, I did not meet them. Um, as a child, I wanted to be a teacher. As a teenager, I wanted to be a teacher. I loved English class, and two of my favorite teachers were um, Mr. Murhey and Mr. Stella. Hey, but Mr. Stella taught math, so I didn't want to be a math teacher. I wanted to be an English teacher. Mr. Strimmer was the best English teacher on the planet. Like, I've never had one since and didn't have one before her. So I really, really wanted to be a teacher. But then the older I got, it was just like, ah, reading. I can read, but it's not my favorite pastime. I like writing. So yeah, no, I didn't I didn't reach those dreams and goals that I aspired to be a teacher. I do, however, love my job now. And you, what were your dreams and goals and what did you aspire to be? Oh my goodness. So when I was really, really little, I wanted to be a veter- vet, a veterinarian. Uh, and then I, as I grew older, I realized that I was kind of squeamish. Not in the sense, like, I don't really mind blood. I do mind um, waste. So like feces and pee. I, I, I do mind that. And also, I got super wrapped up in the idea of, so when you and me go to the doctor, the doctor tells us, hey, we need to do this to make sure that you're not sick. We're going to open you up or take an x-ray or whatever. But to an animal, they don't know that you're doing it so that they can feel better. <laughs> like they just know that they hate going to the vet. So I got really wrapped up in the idea that all animals were going to hate me if I was their vet. <laughs> 
Um, and I love animals, so I just didn't want to go down that path. When I was a little bit older, like I want to say middle school and high school, I wanted to be a teacher as well. And it was because of two teachers that changed my life. I didn't have good parental guidance when I was growing up. I only had one parent and she was emotionally absent. And so I came to rely a lot on the validation of my teachers. And there were two teachers specifically that I think caught on to that and were just really, really good humans to me. Like they motivated me to keep going. They made sure I graduated and man, they just motivated me to just keep doing me. And I do wish that I could thank them in person. Um, one of them already passed away, but I really wish that they really knew how much they did for me. Man, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but so I wanted to be a teacher because I wanted to be them because I knew the difference that they made in my life and I wanted to do that. And then I found out how much teachers get paid. <laughs> 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 and I was like um you know what I want to be a psychologist <laughs> um and then I went to the psychologist and I realized I don't know if I can hear this stuff from several people like problems like this from several people and just take them in so then I that that quickly went away and then I wanted to be a mortician for a hot minute. Like I was ready to apply to um, mortuary school. And then I read a book by a mortician. Her name is Caitlin Doughty, I believe. And she talked about cremating babies and how like she was um, unsensitized. Is that how they call it? When you just do things? Um, desensitized. Thank you. And I was like, I don't think I want to get to that. And I don't think that I can just be like, hey, funer funeral home. I would like to be a mortician, but I will not be cremating children. Like, I don't think that that's a thing that you can just say. Yeah. So then I said, oh, I, I can't do that. <laughs> um, and then one thing also that I wanted to be, but this is definitely like a dream, is I actually wanted to be an actress for a hot minute. <laughs> um, I was in theater in middle school and high school, and I really, really, really enjoyed that shit. And actually, for a, a minute, my major in college was uh, theater, theater arts. But my mom was like, you can't do anything with that. And so I believed her. And then I just quit that immediately. The thing I'm doing now I don't hate it. I do think that it helps the community. It's definitely not what I pictured myself doing at all. It is a very rewarding job. I will say that. Um, at the end of the day, I do have that feeling like I helped people. So it is very rewarding. And I try not to forget the importance of what I do. It is stressful as fuck. But I do think that out of all the things that I've done before, like working retail or working at a car dealership uh, and all the other jobs in between that I had and hospitality too, like this is probably the most rewarding thing that I've ever done. And I do want to keep doing things in the same field, probably just a little higher up, but definitely not what I wanted to do as a kid. I didn't even know this job existed as a child, <laughs> even a teenager. Like I had no idea, <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> And again, these are the days of our lives. These are the days of our <laughs> So then, 
Uh, Monica then walks in and mentions how she loves her life because her meeting with the restaurant owner went well. And he showed her the location and it's perfect. Not too big, not too small. Chandler jokes if it was owned by a blonde girl and three bears. Um, she mentions that she's <laughs> come over for dinner and that he is insisting Phoebe be there. And Monica tells her that she can make yummy noises. Rachel asks Monica what she's planning on making. And she says she's unsure. Um, so Phoebe tells her to make the thing with the stuff. And obviously no one knows what she's talking about. So she gives up. What is your favorite dish to cook that you think would be restaurant approved? Okay, so I have two, but one of them is like super recent. And it's because you and I went to have chilaquiles. <laughs> uh, I forget, El Sarape, I think it was. And I fell in love with their um, chipotle chilaquiles. And so I have been making several versions until I found like my perfect one. And I wasn't even trying to please anybody else. I really like Chipotle Chilaquiles. So I was making them for me. <laughs> um, but I made them for, um, we had a game morning, uh, like for Dungeons and Dragons, because we're nerds. And we invited three people over to come play with us. And one of them is this Mexican dude who I purposely have never cooked for prior to this because he is a super criticón. And I was so paranoid of him having taste my chilaquiles but i was like whatever si no le gustan no le gustan it's my house yeah and he was like dude these are so good like the sauce is so fucking good i had given him sour cream to put on top and he was like i don't even want to mess with what you just served me like this is perfect and i was like oh awesome um and then i made them again for Chris, who you've met, it's Justin's best friend, the only person that continuously comes over to our place during these unprecedented times. <laughs> and uh, he's had many chilaquiles before too. And he was, it was one of those times where he was eating and he wasn't talking, like he was just focused on the food. And I was like, man, he must have been starving. And at the end, he was like, these are the best chilaquiles I've ever had in my life, dude. What did you put in these? And then I was like, oh my God. And I almost cried because thank you. <laughs> um, and then the other thing that I make that everybody likes, and then I actually did get the recipe from a dude that used to work at a uh, restaurant in Little Italy. Um, I don't know what it's called. He called it date night pasta. Uh, and it is, yeah, such a simple pasta. It's just made with like white wine and mushroom sauce and Parmesan cheese, spinach, pasta like it's it's super simple but it's it's just really good and everyone really likes that like I've not met anyone that didn't like it the only time that someone didn't eat it it was because they didn't like mushrooms mm. but for the most part everyone really likes that and that's the one that's yeah I'd actually say it probably is restaurant quality because I got the recipe from someone that used to be a chef or the recipe yeah yeah how about yours so I really enjoy my biscuits and gravy um and it's so funny because it's such a simple recipe but I add my own little twist whatever to it and I like my kids love it my stepdaughter for her birthday I was like do you know do you want us to buy you something what do you want me to make for you because she's picky with her food and it's funny because she'll eat mine but apparently her mom has a hard time getting her to eat hers her, like her food but she was like I want biscuits and gravy for my birthday and I was like okay I can do that and so my biscuits and gravy 
and I actually made it for like a family thing recently. Like I normally just make it for my family, but I made it for like a family event and everybody loved it. It was like such a hit. I was like, oh, thank God. Because people are picky and I'm really picky. I won't eat biscuits and gravy at a restaurant because it's so bland. They don't add enough salt. They are. I have such a weird thing about big chunks of like meat. If it's Ooh, in your gravy, yeah. In anything, like I don't make ground beef without like really like getting in there with the fucking spatula because I don't like the big chunks of meat. It grosses me out for some reason. I can eat a meatball, but if it's not supposed to be a fucking meatball, it shouldn't be that fucking big in my food. So <laughs> so I'm really weird about like making it really fine. And so I do that with my sausage and I don't like like big chunks of sausage and the sausage is always, the gravy is always really bland, but whatever. So that was, that's, I think that would be like mine. And if I was making a Mexican dish, I think I would do my grandma's bistec ranchero because that was like my favorite thing that she would make that thankfully I learned how to make before she passed. But yeah, I think that's... I need to, I need to taste these biscuits and gravy for my birthday. Oh, did you mean that you were going to cook for me some chilaquiles? Because chilaquiles are my favorite thing to eat on this entire planet. I will trade you biscuits and gravy for chilaquiles. Deal. When are we meeting up again? Cool. Oh, God, who the fuck knows? <laughs> Fucking COVID. Ugh, I know. Anyway, moving on. Ross then asks if anyone knows a good restaurant for a date. Chandler asks who he is going out with. And Phoebe asks if it's the bug lady. And Rachel starts to tease him about it. He corrects them and tells them her name is Celia. And she's a curator of insects at the museum he works at. Monica asks what his plans are. And Ross mentions wanting to take her out and then taking her back to his place to introduce him to his monkey, Marcel. Chandler jokes that he isn't speaking metaphorically when he says to meet the monkey. Joey inquires more about the date and asks Ross if he's going to try the ha <laughs> And Ross mentions that he want, wanting to maybe ha ha ha. Joey tells Ross that his monkey is a chick magnet. If you could have any pet, what would you use to attract the opposite sex? What would be your chick magnet animal? Not a monkey. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think, I mean, I used to have it and it was kind of cool. I think I would have a snake. I think snakes are fucking awesome. And then, so my snake was super tiny. It was like maybe 14 inches. It was still a baby because it was a ball. It was a ball python. So like they grew up, but it hadn't gotten that big. We had, we only had it for a small amount of time. But I always think back to Britney Spears and the yellow python. Toxic. Yeah. (laughs) You know. (laughs) So, like, it's sexy. (laughs) But I get just sat on my shoulders. Like, it wasn't. Like a choker around my neck, I guess. (laughs) But a snake. (laughs) What's your... Your animal, your sexy animal. <laughs> you know what? Now that you mention it, and because I have been living with a snake for a month now, I think that that's the one. She is also about ball python. She's 28 years old, actually. So she is full grown. And I honestly am fascinated by her. I don't know how my roommate does not use her as a chick magnet. Maybe he's not doing it right now because it's COVID time. 
But I will ask him if he's ever used her for that before because they have had that snake since that snake was days old. He's 32. The snake is 28. So this is his sister for all intents and purposes. And the other day it was time to feed her and I was just fucking fascinated. Like I was just watching this python engulf this gigantic rat that did not look like it was going to fit in her mouth. And sure enough, oh my God. And uh, you know what? New life goal is at some point you should come over and we should try to ask if we can borrow the fucking snake to reenact this Britney Spears scene. (laughs) Her name is Sammy, the snake. She honestly is super cool. And I do think that when it comes to pets that could be chick magnets i think snakes are some of the most interesting i do know that some people are afraid of snakes but i don't want to magnetize those people anyway no and then you know you can feed it a rat and then just be like "Ooh, what that mouth do (laughs) (laughs) exactly those (laughs) laura just opened up her mouth very wide (laughs) like a (laughs) python like a snake Kinds of things in there. You could put your weed in there. <laughs> now don't, don't store your weed in a snake. Sorry, that was I was quoting a movie. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh, we cut to Ross's apartment, where it looks like his date isn't going so well. Marcel is clinging on to Celia's braided hair, and she is screaming. Ross is trying to calm her, and finally removes Marcel from the poor bug lady's hair. Have you ever been scared by somebody else's pet? Yes, um, but not necessarily because of the pet. It was a dog. I love dogs, but I was just scared of him because he was a puppy Mm. and it was a pit bull puppy. And so he was really big and really strong and he just kept knocking me over. And I just got tired of literally he would like I would be standing. And because I'm short, when he stood up to knock me over, he was like as tall as me and he would just boop. And I would just fall on the ground. And then he was like one of those super aggressive liquor dogs. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just don't like that. And like the more that I try to pull him away, the more he was trying to lick me. So I just literally thought I was going to drown in in dog saliva. (laughs) Um, And it usually has been dogs, but it's not because I don't like dogs. It's because of the nature of dogs. Like they're a little bit more imposing than, than other animals. And if they're big, well... It's and not educated, like not disciplined. Yeah. Um. Then they're just gonna be jumping all over you. So that's the only time. But I, I have never really been scared for like my life. Just like startled, you know. Like my cat, like he can't knock me over. He'll fight me, but I'm not scared. I'm not scared of you. <laughs> He's off. Just looked at the cat. <laughs> what pet has scared you, if any? Um. So there was this neighbor guy who shall remain unnamed. Um, who used to try to flirt with his dog. And I don't know what kind of dog it was, but it was big. Like, he was a big dog. And one day, um, he invited me into his apartment. And I was like, yeah, sure. I bit. I went in. Um, but while I was sitting there, that the dog just really liked sniffing crotches. And I oh, no. never had complaints in the Punani Oda department, so I know it wasn't me. But, like, every time I would see, like, if he wasn't sniffing my ass, he was in my crotch. So it was just very, like, off-putting. 
And so not that I was afraid of him, but he made me nervous because it was such a big dog. And then I was sitting on this guy's couch and this dog was like trying to be a lap dog. And he, this man was obsessed with this dog. It was his baby. Like, oh my God, he loved this dog. He ended up having to like put him in his bedroom because I was like, I can't, like, we can't hang out with your fucking dog all over me. Um, I ended up leaving and nothing happened. So it was a waste of my time. But the dog was really sweet. I just didn't like how on me he was because he was so big. He was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess, no, I don't think anybody's pets, because I'm like super into like reptiles and stuff. So like tarantulas don't bother me, although that's not a reptile. Um, but like iguanas and stuff are cool, lizards, whatever, whatever. Birds make me nervous, but I've never dated anybody with a bird. I once didn't date, but... I went to the house of like my mom's friend and he had birds and everything was chill. But then like years later, we went to go visit him again and he was old, like the guy, my mom's friend, and he had dementia. And so he started, instead of keeping his birds in the cage, what he did was he just put newspaper all over the ground and the birds would literally just fly above us and you would just hope that you didn't get pooped on. And it was really sad. And I wasn't scared like that I was going to get pecked or anything. Like I was just scared to get poop on my face. No me gusta. Yeah, I didn't like that either. No me gusta. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> At Monica's, Monica's making test foods for her very important dinner. She has coming up with the owner of the restaurant. Chandler walks in and he's upset because after hours of tests, the results determine that he should be a data processor for a large multinational corporation, which is what he already does. <laughs> and Phoebe remarks that that's perfect because he already knows how to do that. He continues to be upset because he feels like he should be doing something that is cool. Rachel tries to console him and then teases that she actually can see his nipples through the shirt. And then Monica offers him a small sample of food called an amouche bouche. And in that moment, Monica receives a phone call from a friend who she hired as a waitress for her big dinner the following evening. Rachel gets upset because she is a waitress and Monica didn't ask her first. Monica then says Rachel was her first thought, but that her friend is more experienced, more of a professional waitress. <laughs> and Rachel is super offended. Is there something that you know you're good at that your friend also knows that you're good at or that you do, which would offend you if they didn't ask you to do? Mm, no I don't think so I'm not like I'm crafty but I'm crafty for like myself so no I don't think so unless like the challenge is to drink uh, in which case yes I would be offended that I was not invited <laughs> no, I don't think so and you no I don't think so either like I consider myself a pretty proficient baker but not enough where I would be like you needed a cake and you didn't ask me to make it because when I started baking um I think I was like 16 I did it because I liked bread and cookies <laughs> and then as I got older I started doing it because I actually enjoyed the the art of baking um, and so I just was constantly baking all the time because I liked baking. Right now, because I do have people asking me to bake all the time, I'm kind of starting to burn out. So instead of being offended, I'd be like, yeah, dude, yeah, ask so-and-so to bake. They're probably so much better than me. <laughs> like this, not this weekend, but next weekend, 
I had been booked for a baby shower for the 30th for 50 cupcakes. And I love making cupcakes. Actually, cupcakes are my favorite thing to make because it's actually my favorite thing to eat. Small cakes. (laughs) (laughs) So I usually do not mind. And I would not mind this much if I had more space to make them. But once I start getting into the logistics of my kitchen's really small, it, that's when it becomes stressful. So anyway, this coming weekend, I have these, not this coming weekend, the 30th, I have to make 50 cupcakes. And then the next day for Justin's grandma's drive-by 90th birthday party, I have to make a cake for her and then 24 cupcakes so that people can take. And just thinking about that is stressing me out. And I hate saying no to people. And if I was going to say no to someone, it would not be to Justin's family because I love them. And I like that they ask me to bake. I love it when my family asks me to bake. Um, And then the baby shower, like it is for someone that I like, it's for a couple that I really love. So I don't, I don't want to say, Hey, I can't, I can't bake them anymore. Plus that they are paying. So, you know, yeah. (laughs) I'm rambling. I'm sorry. In conclusion, no, I would not get offended if someone didn't ask me to bake something or whatever other thing I thought I was good at, they didn't ask me to do. For the record, you can always use my kitchen. Yes. Just FYI. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can use my house. I mean, you can live here. I mean, what? <laughs> Bye, Victor. Oh, wait, but you're legally bound to him now. I am. Oh, oh, well, it doesn't matter because nobody can see it. But, oh, I got my marriage license today in the mail. Wow. Oh, nice. Yay. Got our marriage license today in the mail. But because we are now husband and wife, I felt it was okay for me to open his mail. <laughs> <laughs> it's legal. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I know. Sorry. We cut back to Ross's place and he and Celia, who happens to also play Jan from The Office. Did you know that? Yep. They are making out. And in the little of their little makeout, in the, in the little, in the middle of their little makeout sesh, uh, Celia asks Ross to talk dirty to her. Ross gets nervous and she is persistent. She asks him to say something hot. He is at a loss for words and the only thing he manages to spit out is vulva. Do you talk free for foreplay and or during sex? Yes, not too much, but I do. And I realized with me, like the hornier I am, the more I am willing to talk dirty. But it did take me a while. Um, and it's, it is because I was in a cult growing up where everything sex was demonized. Unless you were married. And it took me a while to get out of that, even after I got married, even after I left the religion. It it just kind of, some things just persisted for for a long time. And and I do remember the first time that I had sex with someone who explicitly told me, hey, I don't like it when you're quiet. Mind you too, naturally, I'm not quiet. I'm not like screaming. But naturally, like, I want to be expressive. But because of how I was raised, I just wanted to be quiet and and not create cause a ruckus or make it known that I'm having a good time because, oh, no, that's what Satan wants. Um, And so it did take me a while. Like, the first time that someone told me, I need you to vocalize a little bit more, I was like, oh, wait, I can? Okay. And so I started. And then, yeah, I really dig it. How about you? 
so I'm not a super huge fan of foreplay, so I don't do a foreplay, but I definitely do during sex. I definitely, I mean, I guess I would consider sexting uh, foreplay. I do. Yeah, I would too. I do send dirty messages uh, to my husband. Uh-huh, I said husband. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a shock to me. But yeah, no, I like. <laughs> to you. I know, to me. I like the dirty talk during sex. It definitely is a turn on and makes it that much better. Because I like, I like especially, I mean, I'm not going to get into it, but the things that he says to me, it's like, yeah, you think I'm fucking hot. This is amazing. So, yeah, I do like dirty talk during sex. But not like she did. Yeah, you're right. I do. <laughs> yeah, she was too much. But I, I do like to hear it, I think, a lot more than saying it. I mean, I like to say, like, yeah, you think I'm sexy? Mm-hmm. Thanks. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, he says more than that. It's just, you know, you got to leave some things to the imagination. I know. All right. So then we cut to Joey and Chandler's apartment where Ross is telling Joey about his major screw up. He tells Joey it got awkward. So they ended up just cuddling and Joey teases and asks how many times did they cuddle. Ross mentions it was nice and he's not really a dirty talking guy. Joey tells Ross that to say something dirty to him to practice and Ross mentions he's in his apartment and Joey isn't there and they aren't having this conversation. (laughs) Joey tells him he'll start and they start to role play. He says something sexy to Ross and Ross and hesitates but then starts to say something back sexy to Joey. As they are practicing their dirty talk, Chandler walks in on them and kind of hangs out in the background watching the two in their steamy moment. He then leans on the nearby desk and shifts the chair, which makes the sound and catches the guy's attention, which is a little embarrassing to say the least. So what is the most embarrassing thing you've ever gotten caught doing? I try not to do things to embarrass myself. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lie. But as a child... uh, (laughs) As a child, I was an aspiring singer to myself in my room all the time. Um, It was never a dream to be an artist. However, I did like, I did like singing with my brush in front of the mirror. Like I would, I get into it. And when I say I get into it, I get into it like character and all. (laughs) So like, especially in the car when I'm driving by myself, oh God, there's the whole concert happening in my head that I'm singing. (laughs) There was this one time where like the apartment that we lived in was a two-story and my bedroom was on the street side. So on the, like right above our front door. And I remember there was like a big tree that blocked my window from the street, but not for arriving guests. (laughs) And one day (laughs) I was sitting at my window fucking brandy and all like brandy as in the artist not the drink but I was like sitting leaning on the window and I'm like singing my fucking lungs out like I had my stereo on blast my mom never cared how loud my radio was so I had the stereo on full blast and I'm like singing out my window and I'm just staring at the sky because I can see (laughs) from my window the tree didn't the tree only blocked me from like across the street uh and you know whatever but Two of my aunts had shown up uh, and they were knocking and I didn't see them walk up because I was staring at the fucking sky. (laughs) And so I'm like in the middle of my song and then the song ended. And I guess at that point they had like 
just arrived or something as I was finishing up my uh, my concert. And they looked up at me and they were like, ay, que bonita voz, que bien cantas, mija. And they caught my attention and I just <laughs> looking down at them like, ha, hi. <laughs> and I just, from that, like, like, oh my God. <laughs> up off the window and like closed it and closed my blinds. <laughs> and I'm sure I did it again, but it probably took me a while to to go back to performing at my windowsill. <laughs> yeah, that would do it. And you? I have two, and they're both bathroom related. <laughs> so the first one I'm going to share, I think technically is should be the most embarrassing, but I was a kid kid, so it didn't really embarrass me that much, and it was not my fault. So it was in, when I was in elementary school and I was in Mexico. It was raining on a Tuesday. I had bought one of those pens that shock you and it was creating a lot of ruckus in the classroom. So my teacher took it away from me. And then this guy that was in my class, not a guy, a kid in my class, took it from the teacher's desk and gave it to me. The teacher then took it away from him again. And then I took it when she wasn't looking again from her desk. And so that resulted me in being like I was in detention, but this happened in the morning and the detention was not stay after school. It was, I didn't have a lunch. Um, so she didn't allow me to eat or go outside, like, or go to the bathroom for the rest of the day. And I was a kid. And so right around like 1 PM, mind you, by the time that I got to school, I'd already had to pee, but because I was running late, I didn't go. And then all this shit happened, so I wasn't allowed to go to the bathroom. So right around 1 p.m., I really needed to go to the bathroom. Like, I was ready to pee my skirt, because it was when I was in Mexico, and we were we wore uniforms. And it was a cold day, so I was wearing those, like, tights that were, like, really thick. And I kept telling my teacher, I got to go to the bathroom. I got to go to the bathroom. And she was like, no, no, you did this. These are the consequences. And I really needed to go to the bathroom so much that I literally could not stand still. Till finally, we were almost out of school too. But finally, she was like, fine, go. Ya me tienes desesperada. And so I went. But of course, like the bathroom was the furthest away possible from this classroom. It was raining. And I made it to the door of the bathroom and then I could not hold it anymore. I just opened up my legs and I peed into the ground. <laughs> and I remember thinking, because I, I could not help but just look at it happen. Like, my body was like, I'm sorry I reached my limit. Yeah. And as I was standing over the puddle, I was like, it doesn't look like there's anybody that saw. And I was like, I'm just going to step over it like it's a puddle. Like, it could have been a puddle from someone that came in from outside because it's Mexico and, and often the bathrooms would get a little bit flooded when it rained and then it's raining, you know, it could be something else. Obviously it wasn't, I was not a hydrated child. That was not a clear puddle. <laughs> and as I'm thinking this and I start to walk away from the puddle, I hear someone behind me and I just look at her and she just was like, her jaw was dropped and she was like, you peed. <laughs> <laughs> and then I completely ignored what she said. I went into the stall and I just sat there for like an extra two, three minutes and just hoped that she was gone by the time that I was done. And she was. 
And the other one, and by the way, the school did find out. She told her sister who was in my class, and then I got majorly bullied for it. But the other one happened to me when I was an adult. And it was, I was at a wedding, and I was, it was like the, it was like 2008. And it was when we were wearing really long shirts with like belts in the middle and then leggings underneath. If you catch my drift, if you remember what I'm talking about. And so I wore this as an outfit to a wedding. It was one of my favorite shirts that is like super dated, like super 2008 (laughs) with the ballerina flats and the, the chunky belt, you know, and that was my outfit. And I felt really cute in it. And I went to the bathroom. I got out of the bathroom. I started talking to this guy and I started noticing that a lot of people around me were looking at me. And I was like, that's weird. I must look super fucking cute. (laughs) And then the bride, who was obviously the bride, so everywhere she goes, people are going to be looking. Also, she was wearing this gigantic dress. She taps me on the shoulder and she's like, can you come here for a second? Well, it turns out when I got out of the bathroom, the long shirt I was wearing actually got tucked into my leggings from the backside. And my leggings were not like those super thick leggings. They're actually kind of more like medias. So they were (laughs) see-through. So you could see my shirt and my underwear because the shirt was lifted. Um, So you could see the part that was tucked in. And I had not only tucked it into the leggings, somehow I fucking tucked it into my thong. So it was just a vision. And I was so fucking embarrassed. And I realized everybody, because it was a tiny wedding, everybody in that reception was staring at me. And then the guy that I was talking to told me that he actually started talking to me to find the courage to tell me that I had walked out of the bathroom like that. Rude. Oh my god. So yeah. I think the second one was more embarrassing because I was an adult and because there were more people. <laughs> yes, I agree. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh no. Okay. So in this uh same scene, Joey tells Chandler that his old boss keeps calling him. While Joey is in the middle of telling Chandler that his boss keeps calling, he calls again and makes Chandler a generous offer, which we don't get to hear. Chandler did reject his many offers in that one phone call, but then uh, talks him into it and he ends up taking his job back. If you had a job you hated, how much would they have to pay you to stay? I'm not going to tell you an amount because I don't know like the actual amount, but I think I would just need to know that I will never, ever have to worry about money again. That if I work this job, I don't have to worry about putting a down payment for a house or buying a car. Or if I got in an accident and I had like the need for emergency money, I just want to know that I wouldn't have to worry about any of those things. I never have to check my bank account and see if I can go travel or whatever. But I don't know what that amount would be. Uh, Because when I was younger, I thought that $100 was a lot. It turns out it's just groceries. So, yeah, like, I have no idea. Do you know? No. Once upon a time, I would have said like a million a year. Um, but then you hear about people and that doesn't even sound like enough. I would definitely want enough for my retirement. Whatever they offer yeah. me, it would have to be like a hefty, like, hey, we'll give you this much after you retire. And then I would be like, sure. <laughs> 
But no, I wouldn't know a specific number either. Yeah. I think you just know when you know, you know, if they make you such an offer, you just, okay, fine. Sure. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's not like you're gonna pull out your budget spreadsheet and be like, I need this much to pay this bills. And then maybe like, yeah, times six so that I can live comfortably. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, no idea. But we then move on to Chandler's day back at work where he has his own office. He invited Phoebe to check out his new office and they hang out there and Chandler shows off his intercom where he calls the secretary in for what seems like the millionth time. She walks in and soon after he apologizes and promises he won't do it again. We then come back to Monica's apartment and Monica is on the phone with Wendy the waitress she had hired. Rachel overhears the conversation and Monica tells her that Wendy bailed on her. Rachel then tells Monica, too bad, and starts to walk away. Monica begs Rachel to help her out and finally offers her $20 an hour and Rachel stays to help her out. <laughs> yeah, she did it. I guess what Rachel needed was just $20 an hour. <laughs> I'm going to finish this part. This was such a long scene that I was like, I don't have anything to ask here. Um, <laughs> there's nothing. It gave me nothing. It was such a loaded episode. Oh, my God. So a scene where Phoebe arrives with Steve, the owner of the restaurant Monica is auditioning for. And he is guest star John Lovett. Uh, He walks in and greets the girls. Monica shows him around the apartment. And while she does that, Phoebe pulls Rachel aside and confesses that Steve smoked weed in the cab on the way to Monica's. He is obviously acting weird. And Rachel tries to sign to Monica that homeboy is high. Monica keeps trying to keep him out of her kitchen uh, and Steve is grabbing taco shells and mac and cheese and he finally grabs a bag of gummy bears and Monica requests them from him. He says no. They start to fight over the gummy bears (laughs) and the bag tears open and the gummy bears fly everywhere including into some serving dish that Monica had on the table. He starts throwing sugaros, which are like a Cheerios type cereal, uh, in as life preservers so that the gummy bears can save themselves. (laughs) Monica has had enough and yells at him uh, that dinner is over and that he needs to leave. Just then, her oven timer goes off and Steve simply exclaims, ooh, because um, <laughs> he's, he wants food. He's got the munchies. We've both smoked before. Have you ever acted the way that uh, Steve acted or seen anyone act that way? No, I have smoked before and been around people that smoke. And I've never seen anyone act that way specifically. I obviously have seen people get really, really hungry when they're smoking. And I have gotten really hungry when I'm smoking. But the highest that I ever was, while still kind of functional, was when I took edibles and then decided, me and my best friend at the time, decided that it would be a good idea to go to a restaurant. So we took the edibles, went inside of the restaurant, ordered we were on our way out and this restaurant was super busy and we were about to get up and leave and then it hit me and then I physically could not leave and so I sat back down and my friend was like oh my god you're exaggerating and then like five minutes later it hit her so we literally sat there for about an hour until we felt we were still super high but until we felt well enough to get up but during that time we had just eaten okay The good thing about this restaurant is that it was one of those restaurants where you get up, order your food, pay for it, and then they bring it to your table. So there was no like um, check to be settled or anything. And the other good thing about it is that 
my friend was less high than I was. Like I definitely could not get up. We kept having the munchies again because we (laughs) kept getting higher. So she kept getting up and asking for desserts (laughs) and paying for them and bringing them back to the table. (laughs) And then after that, we went to Target and I left my phone. I was looking for shampoo and I was still high. And I left my phone in the shampoo aisle because it was the same color. My phone is rose gold and it it was also back then. And there was this line of shampoo that they sell at Target or they did at the time. Kristen S, I think it's called. And the bottles are the same fucking color as my phone. (laughs) And so I set my phone face down where the shampoo was. I bought the shampoo, didn't go back for the phone. And I kid you not, I noticed my phone was gone. But by the time I noticed it was gone, Target was fucking closed. So I thought I lost my phone forever. I went the next morning. The first thing I did, I went to customer service and asked if someone submitted, like, turned in a phone. And then just for shits and giggles, I went back to the same place to see if I was still there. I was 100% sure that I would not be there. My phone was there. Because it was so camouflaged with the bottles of shampoo that looked the exact same color. But that was the highest I ever been where I thought that I was acting belligerent in a way but i would know when i used to be able to get high i'm older now so it gives me anxiety now but the the worst that i would do is i would just lay down wake up starving eat a shit ton of food that was mine and then go back to bed (laughs) like i never was in people's kitchens or decided to get high before interviewing someone for a job like that's so crazy to me Have you ever seen anybody act like that? I don't think you have acted like that. No, I've never seen anybody act like that. And the only time that I got soups high. So like I've gotten soups high, but I feel it. And I'm like, nope, need to go to sleep. I gotta go to sleep. But there was one time where I also, we had an edible. And we were, I was, it was with my ex-husband and one of our mutual friends. And they had the, it was a cookie. And so we took a, like a small piece of the cookie. And I remember we were watching the George Lopez show. And I remember her and I, like, it hit at the same time. So we sat maybe like three feet from the TV and then just like giggled our happy little asses for an hour, maybe just watching George Lopez. But I wasn't like all over the place and I wasn't hungry for food. I don't recall ever really getting the munchies the times that I've smoked probably because when I feel really high I feel really heavy and so all I want to do is sleep mm. plus I feel like the tiniest bit of anxiety that makes me sleepy but yeah other than that I don't yeah. think, I don't think I've ever seen anyone act like that like they make it really exaggerated in the movies and in tv yeah it was very exaggerated and you're right they definitely do that in tv and in shows all the time but yeah it's nothing like that not that I'm advocating for anybody to do drugs or whatever don't do drugs Um, everybody has a has a different experience although weed is legal here in California (laughs) only do marijuana but still <laughs> but still, if you're gonna do something, do it responsibly. Yes. But yeah, I I'd never seen anybody act like that. It's definitely too much. I think because this guy comes back and he is also high. I think in season nine or eight, I can't remember which season. <laughs> and he also steps outside to smoke again while in between scenes uh, in a restaurant. 
And the way that they portrayed him high the next time, I think, was a little bit more accurate because he wasn't all over the place, like, physically getting up and stuff. Okay, I'm going to pick it up. Um, So then we cut to the coffee house where the gang is trying to uplift Monica from the horrific event that just happened in her apartment. Joey and Ross go off to the side and Joey asks how it went with the dirty talk. Um, Ross says he was unbelievable. There were characters, plot lines, themes, a motif. At one point, there were villagers. Uh, so Joey asks if they, <laughs> and Ross said that after all was said and done, they were kind of tired. And Joey disappointingly says, you cuddled. Um, and Ross expressed, <laughs> nice. Um, Phoebe then asks <laughs> if they want to go to a movie or something. But then Rachel says, aren't we going to wait for Chandler? Uh, and Joey looks at his watch and by his reaction, it's obviously really late. And they all start to wonder where Chandler is. We then cut to a scene where Chandler is in his office on the phone with someone named Fran, stressing about the weenus. Uh, He ends his phone call with, you're going to care about it because I care about it, and hangs up the phone. Uh, And then he stares all frightened uh, and just says, whoa, in disbelief that he's become the guy he didn't want to be. Aside from the regular overtime, um, which would be just a couple hours, I guess, two, four. Have you ever been so engrossed with work that you ended up staying later than you thought you would? God, yeah. Um, also, quick side note. How quickly did Chandler turn into the guy he didn't want to be? Right? In like a matter of um, hours. <laughs> one episode. <laughs> yeah. I have absolutely stayed longer than I wanted to and for free. Um, and it was because I was so stressed and deadlines were really important to me. They still are important to me. But now I have like that balance where I'm like, okay, well, if I physically can't finish this and the hours that you're paying me then I I'm not gonna do it (laughs) yeah um but when I worked at the dealership I used to do that all the time um I used to even come in early um because I had a key to the office and just walk in and start doing shit and then also this they did pay me for but it was just so fucking stressful um when I worked for the nonprofit, which was a call center part of our duties were to become disaster responders and we had mandatory 12-hour shifts and that shit was fucking awful like I remember I would get up in the morning have a coffee and I think one of my shifts were from like six to six so I get up at like five in the morning have a coffee be at the office start answering the phones uh, and we changed duties when we would do that so sometimes someone would answer the phone sometimes someone else would gather data like Because things, when you're in that type of disaster, and then the the one that I'm remembering, it was a fire in San Diego. Um, You kind of have to gather information as it's evolving. Um, So we kind of switched responsibilities. So by midday, I would need another coffee. And by the eighth hour or the ninth hour, I was so fucking tired that I would have a third coffee. But then I would only have a couple of hours of work left. So then I would get home and by the time that I'd be home, I'd have to be at work in like eight hours. So I only had time to sleep and it wouldn't happen because I had so much fucking coffee. So I'd end up going to sleep like at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m., have to get up at 5 a.m. to then do this bullshit all over. (laughs) And when I did this, I was like 23, 24 maybe, when sleep was not a necessity. Like it was still nice you know, to sleep. I cannot fucking fathom doing anything like that right now. I missed two hours of sleep one night and my whole next three days is ruined. 
no matter how much I sleep the following days, the pattern is broken. I have anxiety. I can't sleep. My stomach hurts. I have a headache. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> Aging is awful, but also a blessing. Don't do it. But <laughs> no, you got to do it. <sighs> but yeah, have you ever worked excessively like that? So do you have a weenus? I don't have a weenus or a penis. When I worked at a hospital in La Jolla, we had paper charts and then they implemented the electronic chart. And so when they started implementing the electronic charts, we all had to do training and whatever, whatever. But I was so good at it that they then had me auditing other people's stuff, which I loved because I like being good at things. <laughs> And the boss that we had, we had an interim. She was the most amazing woman ever. Um, but she was so proud of my work that I was like, oh, do you need me to work late? And one day she was like, oh, you know, just, you know, stay for like an hour or two. I ended up staying till like 830 in the evening. At this point, I was the only person in our office. The stupid lights kept turning off because I was in my own desk. So like the only motions that were being made were like typing. Uh, so I wasn't like really moving much. So the lights kept turning off on me and I got a little freaked out. Um, and when I realized how late it was, I was like, oh, fuck, I gotta go home. <laughs> but I think that's the only time I work overtime now. Um, but I give myself like, um, I'm only going to work until this time or like, I'll like, if it really needs to get done because of deadlines, I'm like, well, mm, okay, I'm going to work late, but I try not to work soups late, especially cause like there's people in my house. It's not like I'm in an office. So yeah. Where you can like really, really focus. Yeah. But yeah, no, aside from that back then when I was super praised for being a good employee and knowing how to do the job well. Um, I don't think I've ever, I've ever done anything like that. Yeah. You know what? Now that you mention it, there's been times where I don't stay super late like that, but I definitely stay a little later or skip my lunch when they're giving me that praise of like, wow, you're so good at this. And I'm like, yes, I am. Yes, I am. And then I just get high off of that ego boost. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, to wait yeah. real quick in my head, I just keep hearing, tell me more from um greece <laughs> tell me more tell me more. It <laughs> i'm great at my job <laughs> happened again so i had to share okay now continue <laughs> but anyway to conclude this super long episode finally uh the show ends with a scene at the massage place where phoebe works and she's giving steve john lovitz a massage but she is being super rough with him as payback for being a twat at Monica's audition interview where she was supposed to cook for him and he was super high. So all is well, karma is served in the form of Phoebe, the end. <laughs> I realized throughout the entire episode that you did not once say anything about my grossly typed notes. <laughs> <laughs> you know you know um the show must go on i struggled with a couple of them but also because i'm kind of blind and i'm reading them from my phone so it was just a combination of things we did it we got through it 
Yay! Everything's fine. Loisimos. We did it. We did it. Yeah. Loisimos. <laughs> so yeah, we're done. Yay. Everybody have a great Goodbye. night. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm going to bed. My kids are yep. going to bed. Yep. Good night, sunshine.